Father, as we open Your Word this morning, we do so, Lord, with, in a sense, I would hope with a sense of anticipation. Even though the Scriptures are familiar to us because of the Christmas season and the Advent season, the story of the birth of Christ should never be old to us. Uh, It should be fresh and new every time we hear it. And we ask that through Your Spirit exactly that would happen this morning. It would be fresh and new and that each of us would get something from the the message this morning that would not only remind us but in a sense refresh us the, the reality of our salvation, the joy of Christ, and celebrating Your birth. We worship You and praise You and thank You in Jesus' name. I'll be sharing from the Gospel of Luke this morning. And we'll be, I'll actually be looking and reading from chapter 1. But before I do, just a a reminder, you know, as we were looking at uh, the reading this morning, uh, the reality is that the angel announced that there was this message of good news, of great joy. And as we look this morning, the idea of, of joy in Christ. And again, looking at this word joy differently in the sense than just the normal way we think of joy. Just as we looked at peace, and if you remember last week sharing with the children, they came up with most of them. You know, I said, what do you normally think of when it's peace? And they said, peace and quiet. And I said, yeah, that's what you hear from your parents all the time. Uh, I remember hearing it from my parents and as a parent giving that back to my kids and now my grandkids. Uh, but the idea of peace more than anything was the reality that Jesus Christ paid the full price of our sin so that the separation between us and God could be removed. The wages of sin, death, could be removed we could have that, that confidence as we rested in that, that we are at peace with God. Okay, well, our, our joy is a response to this peace and to, to the reality of Christ coming. That's a, there's a sense of joy that comes with that that exceeds just the average idea of joy related to happiness. Because obviously not all, all occasions are joyous in that context. There are things of sadness that come our way as well. Even in the midst of those, however, we still have God's peace through Jesus Christ, which gives us a sense of joy that is unique to the picture. In other words, it's it's unique in the sense of, of that confidence we have in Jesus. In Isaiah, we, we had uh, shared going back into uh, the first message on on Advent that uh, Levi shared with us, uh, I want to just go back to Isaiah chapter 9 for a moment. Uh, The hope that the people were looking for, the peace that came, the sense of our joy, kind of all comes out of this verse as well. These verses. uh, Isaiah chapter 9, starting with the second verse. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness... On them has shined, a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the harvest, as they are glad with the, uh, uh, when they divide the spoil. 
For the yoke of his burden and the staff for, uh, for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior uh, is in battle, in battle tumult, and every gar, uh, garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. What he's talking about there is the idea of the end of war and the coming of Christ in peace. For, us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and the name shall be called, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I, I love that final phrase. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This will be done. This will be accomplished. So, they were looking in a sense of a hope. This, this Prince of Peace, this uh, Son of God, the Son that would come and, and satisfy the wrath, the judgment of sin. As a result, I'm looking at this today when I confess with my mouth, when I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and has saved my soul, has paid the price for my sins, there is a transformation that begins in us. Not just a change, but a transformation. Something that is, is fresh and new happening in us. We don't just change our mind, but God is in the process of remaking our mind, if you will. Re remaking us. Transforming us. Metamorphous. Transforming us. And bringing us to a point where we find this peace that passes understanding and this joy of God as a result of His grace and His mercy begins to invade every facet of our lives. I love that Isaiah starts out in, in, in chapter 9, verse 2 with the idea that darkness is invaded by light. Jesus is the light of the world. John makes that really clear in the, in the Gospel that he wrote in John chapter 1. And I'm going to read actually the, the first several verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not John the Baptist. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through Him and yet the world did not know Him. And another place that John talks about this in this Gospel is also in John chapter 3, starting with a really familiar verse to us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that He would that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Stop there for a minute. What does that tell you? There's only one name under salvation in, in, where salvation can come from that you can be saved. That's Jesus Christ. Verse 19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. In other words, as there's a transformation, as the peace of God, the joy of God starts to work in our lives, we begin to come to that point where our works start to reflect that. Our words start to reflect that. The way we treat each other starts to reflect that. And so, we become, in a sense, the light of Christ in the world. Pretty awesome picture when you start to think about it. So, to put it back into kind of simple forms, I, I was just making it as easy as I could for me to, to grasp. Joy is the response to Christ's peace in us. The light that has invaded the darkness brings me a sense of joy. And even when things surround me that are of a fallen world of sin, uh, a part of the curse, which is still the idea of physical death, uh, even as those things uh, are around us, and we can still have the confidence that we have seen the light, the light of Christ in us, and and rest in that confidence that Jesus is sovereign. He is God. Nothing. Is, he doesn't miss anything. And the most important thing, sometimes for me, is to hang on to one real simple phrase: Jesus is never late. Because my time schedule, obviously, if you know me, uh, frequently is out of sync because I'm already ready for something to happen. And, and the other thing is frequently what I want to have happen isn't quite the way it turns out. And, of course, what turns out is better. I'm impatient. I, can't, I have to admit it. Nonetheless, even in my weakness, and my and I and I would have to say even shallowness of faith compared to what I wish it could be. I know the joy of Christ. I know the peace of Christ. And I know the hope we have in Christ of Him coming again. This joy was seen from the very beginning of the incarnation of Christ. Emmanuel. God is with us, the incarnation of Christ. This morning, uh, again, I said the reading from, uh, from chapter 2 of Luke told us this, the good news of great joy. Uh, in Luke chapter 1, we're going to see an act of, of joy, which is really, really fascinating to me. So I'd like to read Luke chapter 1, uh, starting with uh, the, let's see, Oh, where did I go here? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wrote 29. I don't know what happened there. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 39. 
In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. What is going on here, of course you need a little bit of context for this. You understand, we're most familiar with the story, of, uh, and, and I cautiously say story. I don't mean that as some fable or anything, but story, the, the Word of God is revealed to us early in this, was that we've talked about Jesus, uh, Mary receiving an angel. We talked about Joseph receiving uh, an angel in his dream. And the reality is that the day came, this angel came, Gabriel, to Mary and said, you're going to have a baby. Not possible, she says. I've never been with a man. Bluntly, she'd never had sex. And so, how could this be? And she said, well, in the power of God, the Holy Spirit will come over you and you will conceive. And this child is going to be unique. He's going to be the Son of God. You're going to name him Jesus. Of course, combining Matthew and, and, and Luke together. You're going to name him Jesus. And by the way, just so that you understand how God is working here, your cousin Elizabeth, she's pregnant too. Now, what we don't haven't read about Elizabeth earlier in chapter 1 of, of Luke, we find out that Elizabeth is old. She's barren. She's had no children and she's past the age of childbearing. Zechariah, her husband, is a priest. He's praying in the temple at his turn and, and his group of priests had his turn to pray in the temple. And while he's praying in the temple, an angel appears to him and says, your prayers have been answered, Zechariah. Oh, that's perfect. And he wasn't sure what prayers were being talked about at this point because he was bringing the prayers of the people before God. But this was a prayer maybe that had been something that had been prayed for for years, but maybe not for a while because of his age and the age of Elizabeth. He says, you're going to have a, you're going to have a son. And he's going to be special. He's going to be the forerunner of, of, of Christ. He's going to, uh, you know, he's going to take the Nazarite vow. He's never going to drink. He's not going to cut his hair. And, he, you know, very special thing that's happening here. Zachariah kind of took a position of kind of like, how can this be as well? And in this case, the angel says, well, you know, you're, because you haven't believed me, you're going to leave the temple here with the, without the ability to speak for a while. In fact, you won't be able to speak until John has been named, presented at the temple. And uh, Zechariah leaves, 
And one of the things that you do is you talk to the people on the, on the steps and the, the alcoves of the temple waiting. He can't say anything to them. You know? But John finds that indeed what he has said is true. What the angel said to him is true. His wife Elizabeth came pregnant. Now in this case, not through a supernatural event as is Mary, through normal relationship. But the miracle is, is because she was barren and past the point of giving a child, having a child. What other story do we know that's familiar to us out of the Bible? Sarah. Okay? And, and so, this is a miraculous thing as well. Now, all of this to share was because I want you to see God coordinating everything. He just brings everything together just right. You see, Elizabeth's son is going to be the forerunner of Mary's son. He's going to be the one that announces what Mary's son is going to be doing. Preparing the hearts for people to repent and turn from their sins. John the Baptist. I think it's interesting to note that John and, and, and Jesus are cousins. Well, probably second or third cousins at this point, but still related. When Mary finds this news, and it says that very quickly, with haste, she leaves for the hill country of Judah, of Judea, and goes to see Elizabeth. As she comes to see Elizabeth, she arrives there, she enters the house, it says, she gave a greeting. What greeting do you think after I spoke last week? What think, greeting do you think she gave? <laughs> Shalom. Most likely, the common greeting. As she spoke the words peace, it says that the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped. Now, the word leap can, can mean a variable of things, but there's no doubt about this. We have intense movement in the womb. And I can't relate to that. Because of me, my mother could. Uh, but uh, all of the ladies who've had children in here can relate to this. I can relate to it to the sense of uh, that, that, the, that time that you finally, as the dad, get to put your hand on, on, on the stomach and, and, and wait. Oh, yeah, I felt that. But Elizabeth had a, a very strong feeling here. Mary enters the house, shalom, and a supernatural, and, and I want you to understand, a supernatural event happens because as Elizabeth hears shalom, not only does John the Baptist leap in her womb, but it says, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Very important to grasp this because what she's going to say next is the reality that she indeed was filled with the Holy Spirit. Because she's going to say some things that there's no way she could know. The reason why, why again, Luke was so careful about putting this in, in, in order of things was 
Mary moved with haste. Go there, which means just after she heard this announcement from the angel. It's just happened. Okay, She goes to her, her cousins to see her cousin who should, should be about six months pregnant at this point. And I'm sure to kind of confirm everything together or just have that sense because she's got a, you know, Mary's got a problem right now. She's just been told she's pregnant, but she's betrothed. She's never had a relationship with him. She's going to have to be able to explain this to, to, to Joseph. So she rushes off to talk and see Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth's response to John the Baptist moving in her with, with a sense of, 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 of real moving, you know, and her being filled with the Holy Spirit, it says in verse 42, Elizabeth cries out loudly or with a loud voice. Now, again, you know I'm not a Greek scholar, but I, I looked up the, the words and the word for loud is mega and the word for voice is phone. Megaphone. <laughs> and I thought, boy, that made it really easy for me to grasp. She made it loud. It, you know, it came out with a loud voice. I, it wasn't just, you know, just an elevated voice. It was a loud voice. And she says, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. How did she know? Mary hadn't had a chance to tell her yet. She's filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she adds in verse 43, which to me, this, it gets better as it goes on. Why should the mother of my Lord come to me? Mary doesn't have any other children. Why should the mother, referring to Mary, of the mother of my Lord, appear to me? Come to me. Visit me. Now, I don't think that Mary was an infrequent person. It's not that they didn't know each other. She could have been surprised. Oh, how neat to see you. What a surprise to see you. But she's making this, this declaration. The mother of my Lord, Elizabeth's Lord. Elizabeth is the married, uh, the wife of, a, of, of one of the priests of the temple. How many lords does she have? <laughs> okay, in reference to the, the idea of Lord and God, the mother of my she only has one, and she's making that reference to Mary's womb. Why should the mother of my Lord come to me? From your greeting, from your shalom, came activity in my womb like you won't believe. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Your greeting reached my ears and my baby leaped for joy. Again, that idea of a, of a tremendous move. Leap for joy. And you, Mary, you are blessed you who believed that which was spoken to you as that it would be fulfilled. You are blessed. So Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaks words that confirm Gabriel, the angel Gabriel's announcement to Mary 
that this is all happening. I don't know that Mary really needed confirmation in the sense to believe because she believed before she got there. It says very clearly that after she was told by Gabriel what was going on, she submitted and said, yes, I'm, I, 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 I will, I'm part of this. Willingly. But it has to feel good to go to Elizabeth and have the confirmation I, I, I want to emphasize that because I believe that that's the way God does things. He wants to put us into a direction. He wants to draw us into them. And sometimes He'll open our mind to something, but it doesn't seem to quite... And then all of a sudden He'll open a door and then the confirmation will come that this is what I want you to do. I know Kathy and I experienced that when deciding to go to Bible college. It was one of these things that... that after we left and, 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 and uh, we visited the college, and we, not even with the intent to look at it to go there, but uh, at a conference, and we left, and we felt, both of us, like God was directing us to go to Bible college. But, uh, you know, married with a child already and a, and a business that is only about two years old, I wasn't sure that that was, you know, I was being told by others that wasn't a particularly wise move. And, and so I wasn't sure that this is what we should be doing, and so we put it before. A, a couple, few weeks later, one of the people from the Bible college comes, calls and says, um, you know, I just want to talk to you about what our school is doing and, and, and how we deal with our uh, married couples, if you're interested. Married couples with kids? Yes, we even have housing. Uh, we own houses around the school. Uh, by the way... Uh, we would we would we'd like to come have you come up and talk and 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 I said well we'll th- we'll think about it well we did go up I really decided Kathy and I both felt that God was drawing us there and when we checked the price of housing they didn't have any houses available from the school we checked the price of housing in the area and we said forget it there's no way we can do this and I you know we made the the commitment back on from San Jose back to Atascadero where we lived we said okay Lord this is up to you if if you open the door to housing we'll know that we're supposed to go. The phone message was right there before we got, as we got home. Oh, by the way, we do have a house opening. It's a two-bedroom house directly across the street from the school. It has a garage that you can use for your shop, and we'll have no problems with you doing that because it is semi-commercial. There's a shop right across the street from it as well. No problem. And uh, the only problem is you're going to have to rent it for August, September, a month ahead of time because that's when the people are moving out that have the lease on it, and, and so you'll have to pay that month's rent. We knew God was opening the door. I'm just saying that God makes things... He, you know, For Mary, he, she wasn't lacking the confidence that God was saying something to her, but he, he, he just lavished it on her, if you will, so that she could rest with confidence. I'm thinking because what she was going to be going through wasn't going to be easy. I mean, we talked about this already. What had Joseph decided already? You know, well, not yet, but I mean, in the process of of her announcing that she's pregnant. What did Joseph decide to do? Divorce her? As a gentleman uh, at the top of the line here, in the sense of of kindness and and, and quietness, he didn't make a big deal out of it, but he was going to give her a certificate of divorce, which was his to give at this point. And... and, uh, he wasn't doing it because he didn't love her or didn't care for her, but there was, there was, there, this was just, this is what he had to do. I can assure you his family was probably saying, no way. 
And then the angel came to Joseph, explained it all to him, and Joseph said, forget that. I'm taking her as my wife. And he did, obediently. By the way, I don't have time to do it this morning, but Mary's response from verse 46 on to the end of the chapter, it's called the Song of Praise or the Magnificat, is a powerful song of praise where Mary gives all the glory to God as to what's going on. She realizes that the fact that God has granted her favor, if you will, and looked on her with favor is not because she is a perfect person. There is no such thing. It's not because she's free of sin. There is no such thing among people. All people have sinned, including Mary, including Joseph, and fall short of the glory of God. Mary needs the Savior she's going to give birth to every bit as the thief on the cross. I know that's not doctrinal for some other churches, but I think you need to understand that. Mary needs this Savior just like anybody else. That's why the, the song, Mary Did You Know, is so powerful. There's a, uh, something going on here, though, that has absolutely captured my interest, and unlike it has ever before. When Paul says that, that the Son of God, the Christ, emptied himself in Philippians chapter 2, the idea of, of, of it's, it's like this were, a, this were his, his authority and his, uh, the, the recognition that's due his name, his scepter, it's, kind of, it's as if he set this aside and left when he left heaven he, he no longer, you know, there wasn't any knees bowing or tongues confessing and all the things that should go with it. It was, he, he came as a man in the flesh. And, and Paul speaks about that as a humble thing. He came and not only as a man in the flesh, but to serve, and not only to serve, but to die for us. But there's something even more that, that I just don't, I've, I've noticed but never thought much about before. And the, and the thing that, I, that, that draws my attention to it is actually what happened with John the Baptist in his mother's womb. Zechariah was told that he would be filled from the Holy, with the Holy Spirit inside the womb. I'm assuming at this point he is already filled with the Holy Spirit. It's possibly his activity of leaping that caused her to be filled with the Holy Spirit by God's plan. I can't testify to that. I'm just saying... You know, that, that, simply, that miraculous thing happened. It was a possibility. But the real issue is that what the Bible is telling us about a six-month-old baby in a womb is that there is life there. Okay? There is life there. And I think that's important in this day and age. But even more, I was looking at this. I started looking for people that, that had possibly caught this, and I found a few that, that, that had looked this, had, had treated this with the same thoughts that I'm having right now as I share this with you. Again, Jesus made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, born in the likeness of a man, human form. The Lord humbled himself. 
But he didn't, you know, he didn't come as a full-grown man. He didn't even come as a He came like any, he came as an embryo. The God of all creation came as an embryo in a woman's womb. Even though we celebrate his birth, his life began nine months before as a man. Talk about humility. I'm, I'm just saying, this all, all to me was all the more overwhelming in a sense. He, he did. He just, I, you know, my mind just thinks you just come as a man and take over, you know. Uh, and and he, he came like any person would be born. He grew up like any. He went through all of it from the stage of an embryo, from conception, because that word conceived is tied to that idea. His life began at conception. I think that's important again to us today. So we have from the moment of, of and, and, and John the Baptist supernaturally knows and recognizes that Mary is already pregnant, even though it's something that has just happened. To the point where Elizabeth says, the word, the mother of my Lord. She acknowledges the, I'm going to say it again, the life in Mary's womb. Some people might want to say, well, that's just a supernatural thing other than that specific event. No, but John the Baptist, wait a minute, we've got to go back here. We're talking about life from conception. And we as, as Christians need to acknowledge that, stand by that, and testify to that. To me, that gave the whole idea of the incarnation even more power. I just, I don't know why, but I just wanted to share that with you this morning. Why it gave me that feeling, I can't explain to you other than it just overwhelmed me. I've always thought of Jesus the manger baby. I never thought of Jesus the embryo. That's where it started. <laughs> or, well, actually, even earlier. <laughs> you know, uh, I just put for myself here in my own notes, Bob, the more you seem to understand, the more amazing it is. You know, I've been doing this for a while, especially at Christmas, and this is the first time this has hit me like this. The prophesied light came into the darkness the child was born, the son was given, conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the good news of great joy, the Savior born in the city of David to be found in a manger, announced by angels to Mary, to Joseph, and then to the shepherds in a myriad of angels. And His coming was for the purpose to save man from his sin. To be the perfect sacrifice. 
so that we would never know. All who will confess with the mouth, believe from the heart, Jesus Christ is the Lord, the Son of God. All who will stand in that position and be saved will never know the wrath that is due the sins that you've committed because it's already paid for. At the point Jesus was born, and I, that's when I turn around and most of the time point over here and you see the cross and the star. <laughs> right, Kathy? Other Kathy <laughs> behind you. <laughs> okay, the cross and star. I started to do that last week when I said that and I turned around and I hadn't put it up yet. <laughs> so I had to do it again this morning. But you see the cross up there was at the manger. The cross was at the announcement from Gabriel. The cross is before the foundation of the world. So Christmas is an is a amazing thing to, 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 to think about, the birth of Christ, but you don't want to miss the whole picture. And so uh, I wanted to share that with you this morning. As we enter into communion then, we enter into the reality the God of all creation became a man with one purpose, to save us from our sins, to satisfy the wrath of God, to reconcile us with God, to allow us to be at peace with God so that we can celebrate in the joy of our salvation. Ask the ushers to come forward. Uh, to pass out the emblems until we've all been served, and then we'll share together.
from the mountains. Go on and tell it to the masses that He is come. The meal that Jesus shared with us disciples on the night that he was betrayed. The bread is, we always use as the symbol of his body that was broken for us. Normally it takes us to the cross in the, in the sense of we see him hanging on the cross in the flesh. But the reality is, is that, you know, that humility that came with the whole fact of what Jesus did, he came in the flesh from that point of the embryo on, is, is what is represented in the bread. He came in the flesh and lived a sinless life. His, he was crushed really over and over again in the sense of the attacks and, and the abuse, if you will, that he took. Uh, and so at that supper, basically the bread representing not only that the flesh would be hung on the cross, but that he came in the flesh. And he asked as often as we would share this bread together that we would do it in remembrance of him. And at the end of the meal, taking the cup, holding it up, now really drawing our attention to the cross. Because he used the words, this is my blood poured out. That's what would happen on the cross. His blood would be poured out. His life would be poured out. That he could purchase what only he could purchase. What he had planned to purchase before the foundation of the world. Our salvation. He asked us as often as we would do this, we'd do it in remembrance of Him. Father, again we come to the table this morning with thanksgiving. We know, Lord, that it's the time of of also confessing our sins, being right with You, asking You, Lord, to open our hearts to sins that that we need to confess, that, that we need things that we need to take care of. But we also know, Lord, that it's that opportunity to rest once again in Your grace and Your mercy and Your love, knowing that God of all creation is our Savior. You and You alone can save. That's because You did what was necessary. You gave what is necessary. Your life completely. That we might know God's grace. Thank you. We worship you. We praise you. In Jesus' name.